This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's going on, Hopeland Church? Welcome. Welcome to church today. We're about to dive into the Word of God, and I just want to say Happy New Year to everybody. It is 2022, y'all, and uh, I'm excited about what God is doing in our midst as a community, what he's going to do this year, what he did do last year. And so we are launching out into a new series today, starting the new year off. Uh, Our series is um, Making Room, and the subtitle is What is in Your Space? So this month... The, 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 the series is going to be all about just making room for God, all right? Making room for Him in our lives. And so along with that, we're also starting a fast uh, next Sunday. We're going to be doing it for 14 days as a community. And that is one way that we make room for God in our lives. So we'll be uh, announcing a lot, giving you some, some content and material just to help you with that. And I encourage everybody out there in our community to fast with us. Let's go 14 days. Let's sacrifice some food, some meals, so we can hear from God and um, and become more like Him, okay? And so let, let's start off the year right. Let's make some room. So we're gonna jump into the Word today. Um, and we're gonna be looking at Second uh, Kings chapter four, all right? I'll give you the verse in a second. I just wanna pray first. But if you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to pray, dive into this word, and I just pray that, that, that this series really sets you up for the year, just really sets you up for uh, your relationship with God and as you approach this new year. So Father, we thank you, God, for a new year. We thank you that we're still here. We thank you, Lord, that Hopeland Church uh, is still here and that we are still ministering still serving people, Lord, still preaching and teaching, still being a part of creating a local church community right here in LA, in Boyle Heights. So Lord, thank you for, uh, Lord, what you're gonna do. And so I just pray over this word that this word is planted on some good soil and that it produces fruit that remains. In the name of Jesus, I pray, And everybody said, amen. All right, folks, let's do this. Second Kings chapter four, uh, starting in verse eight. Now, this is a story of Elisha, the prophet, who was the protege of of Elijah. And and here we go, all right? So let's just read here, starting in verse eight. And I'm gonna read all the way to verse 10. Uh, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Verse nine, and she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Verse 10, please let us make a small room a small upper room. Let us make a small 
upper room on the wall. Somebody say making room. Let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there, a bed, a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Somebody say making room. Look at your neighbor and ask them, what is in your space? All right, so we're going to look at this story here. We're going to kind of look at it. I love it. It's kind of like this. There's a lot of symbolism in here. There's a lot of allegory or prophetic symbolism. And we're going to look at this in light of how this woman in Shunem uh, made room for a man of God. And so... Um, I love this story. I love what it represents. Uh, it, it, it just, it's speaking here. It says specifically a notable woman. Okay. And uh, that means that she was wealthy, uh, influential, and another word, literally great. So a great and notable woman, a wealthy and influential woman. Okay. Uh, she had it going on. All right. I love this because even though she was wealthy, she she was notable, great, okay? Um, the Bible's very specific at speaking of maybe uh, the prestige of this woman. And I love that it notes that, it says that about her, number one, because I think it's amazing that even in Bible times, it, you know, in, in kind of the context of, of how um, women were ostracized, kind of marginalized, and then the, uh, the Bible kind of states this, that this there was this notable woman in that culture. I love that. That's a beautiful thing. And I also love the fact that, you know, she was clearly a person of independent character. Okay. Um, she 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 was making things happen, right? She made some things happen for this for this prophet, this preacher, right? And and, and she could act, um, you know, and, and one who could act when the occasion demanded it, right? She she was a decision maker. She was, uh, she had this, um, she, she saw something, she saw a need, she she was hospitable, she made some decisions and, and, and she made something happen. I love that. And I also love this as well. And we're gonna really dive into this, but I, I, love, I love this because um, she had the ability to persuade him all right, and, and, and that word persuade is a very strong word. So this was a strong, independent woman. All right, all the ladies out there said amen. So it was a strong, independent woman because this word persuade is a strong word, okay? And, and I'll give you some of what this means to so you can see maybe her approach and manner. It wasn't abrasive or brash. The scripture doesn't say that, okay? But it does say she persuaded. Okay, and uh, I'm going to give you the definition of that word here. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to break it down. But first, I wanted to say this, that uh, what I like about this woman, too, is that even in her wealth and prestige and greatness, she still made room for somebody. She made room for for this prophet. She made room for this man of God. And we could we could look at this really. Uh, she made room for the voice of God, because in the Old Testament, Right. And, and, and prior to Christ, that is one of the exclusive ways that people heard from God. So it's not like everybody had the Holy Spirit. Everybody had access. Right. It was the priests and the prophets. 
That is how you heard from God. It was through um, specific individuals, right? Now, so uh, nowadays there are prophets. It's a different context, right? Because we don't go to prophets to hear from God anymore, praise the Lord. Can prophets speak? Yes, but is it different? Does it carry a different type of authority? Yes. Now we can hear directly from God ourselves by way of the Holy Spirit and the written word of God and dreams and visions and all that good stuff, right? So, so this is very significant that she literally, in her day and time, in the context of where she was in the dispensation of the era she was in, she literally made room for the voice of God. She made room for God, right? She made room for uh, th this man who represented the very voice of God to his generation. So we need to be a people that make room for the voice of God. Make room for God. Amen? And so what I love too is that even in her wealth, she she, she, she wasn't caught up in it, right? She wasn't lost in it. She was aware of this person walking by, aware. Like she, it, her wealth did not blind her from a divine opportunity. Somebody say amen, okay? So I, I just love that about this woman here. So this word persuade means to constrain. This is what it means, to seize, to put forth strength, to hold, to keep, to retain, to be obstinate, okay? So, so she was, uh, if you will, aggressive. She was a strong, independent woman, and she made room for the voice of God in her life, okay? And, and, and she goes on to say this, man, this is so powerful. She says, I know, I, I perceive, the King James says, right, that this is a holy man of God. All right. So as often as this passed by, she 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 gave him food to eat. Okay. And then she goes on to say, and this is in verse nine. Um, she said this to her husband. Look, now I know that this is a holy man of God. She was able to perceive and recognize to know the word no yada. It's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a perception word. She had this understanding that man, this is a holy man of God. I believe, this was her thought, I, do, I believe we need to take this a step further. We need to make a little bit more room for him. What, you know, she took one step and then God spoke to her again and, and she's like, I perceive this is a holy man of God, right? Who passes by us regularly, please let us make a small upper room for him on the wall. One act of obedience today is making room for miracles tomorrow. Okay, so she didn't see the future, uh, you know, and we're going to go on and read this story and we might actually continue even next week, depending how far we get today. Uh, but, but, but I, I want, I want you to, I want you to write, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. But one act of obedience today is making room, is making room, is making room for miracles tomorrow. This woman didn't just leave it at giving him some food, right? Just breaking some bread, letting him come in and get some food. She's like, man, let's take this a step further. There's more to this. God is doing something. I'm telling you right now, in the beginning of 2022, you got to make room for the voice of God. You may you make a step towards God. The Bible says you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. She drew nigh to this prophet. She opened the door to him, started feeding him. And then she's like, well, we need to take this a step further. That's how God works, right? God works. It, it's little by little. The Bible says, you know, here a little, 
there a little, right? One step at a time. You know, uh, we, we, we go from glory to glory. This thing is a process. It is a walk. It is one step at a time. And I'm here to tell you right now, sometimes even fasting can seem overwhelming for people or looking at a new year like this is going to be my greatest year ever, right? Or whatever. And they make these big um, grand grand plans, okay? And and, 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 and that's, amazing. that's great. Have big vision, folks. Have big vision for your life. Have big vision for your marriage. Have big vision for your personal development. Have big vision for your walk with God. But I'm telling you right now, this woman just took one step at a time. She's like, hey, let's give him a little food. And regularly he, she was doing this. And she's like, now it's time to take it to the next level. She goes to her husband. All right. So here's my, here's my first point. Create time and space for God. Okay. Okay, make time and space for God, okay? Hallelujah. Make, I'm gonna say it again, make time and space for God. That's what she did. She, she carved it, she made room. She was like, man, what's in our space? Hey, we can bring him in here. She wasn't caught up in her life to such a degree that she could not perceive something outside of her world. She was able to perceive a need, perceive that I can be hospitable to this person. I'm saying right now, what is God telling you? What is he leading you to do? Here's, here's a good question. What is filling my life that doesn't need to be there, right? So, so prior to this prophet, eating food, and now she's about to build a little room for him or have her husband build it or somebody else, right? Um, but she initiated this thing. She initiated it. Um, she was obviously doing something else with that time and space prior to inviting the voice of God into her life, inviting, if it were, the voice of God, inviting, if it were, God at a different level into her life, into her personal space, and so create, this was, she did this. She was the initiator. I love it. In that culture, at that time, a woman, wealthy, significant, great, made time for a prophet that was going uh, by her place regularly. Made room, okay? She made room, all right? What is filling my life that doesn't need to be there? Is there a relationship that does not need to be there? That's possible. Is there a mindset? A way of thinking that is taking up time and space that is not founded on the word of God. And it is an unhealthy mindset, an ungodly mindset, a perverse mindset, a doubtful mindset, a negative mindset. What is taking residence up in your dome that don't need to be there? Somebody say amen. So, so, so create time and space for God. It could be a habit. What, it could be a habit, it could be an attitude, a mindset, a relationship. Come on now. It could be um, that we drift and really fill our time and space with, with just lethargy and lack of motivation and just going nowhere, doing nothing, right? So... What is filling my life that doesn't need to be there? I'm telling you, if you want to make room for God, you must remove what's there as of now. Somebody say, amen, happy new year, right? Get it up out of there. 
You know, I, I believe it's not about getting more time. It's about stop doing the things that are taking up the time and space. All right. If we want to grow, okay, I'm going to read from my notes now. If we want to grow spiritually, we must initiate some type of sacrifice. All right. This isn't about works. This isn't about doing things in, in, a, in, in like this religious thing. I'm just saying this woman initiated. She initiated, all right? So, so hungry people, all right? And th th this, this means change, okay? When you initiate a sacrifice of some sort, you're causing change. You're, you're triggering change in your life. And so this is the point here. Hungry people are willing to change, all right? So, so we're, we're, we're comfortable with change until we get hungry enough to get out of it, until we get desperate. Desperate people are willing to change, the reason we don't change, we're not hungry enough, nor are we desperate enough. We are okay with where we are. Can I get an amen? All right. So, so their, their desire for change, I'm talking about hungry people and desperate people. Their desire for change is stronger than the fear that tries to keep them from changing. I don't know. It could, maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's worry. I don't know. But hungry, desperate people will do anything to get out of where they are because they're hungry. They're hungry, all right? She stepped out of the norm, stepped out of the normal rhythm of her life and initiated something and it triggered. I'm, I'm gonna say this again, one act of obedience today is making room for miracles tomorrow, all right? Okay, so let's go back here. Let's look at let's look at uh, chapter four, verse nine and ten. I just want to read. We're really literally going to hang out right here in Second Kings chapter four today. But and she said to her husband, right? She said to her husband, "Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Uh, please let us, let us. I love this. Let us us make a small upper room on the wall and let us." Put a bed and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Okay, so I've already said this, man. This woman was independent, capable, spiritual. And based on this conversation with her husband, it speaks to her maturity. Okay, it speaks to her maturity. I love this. And I, I just want to kind of break this down a little bit. She was able to hear directly from God and still maintain and submit to the headship of her husband, okay? You know, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, honor your husbands. Like, she was able to hear from God, like, specifically perceive something by the Spirit of God, and yet still in that, she had that direct connection, man. She was moving by the Spirit, if you will, um, and doing something, initiating something on her own, but she was still able to honor her husband in taking this to the next level. And she communicated with him. Check this out. This is what I perceive, husband. I got an idea. You know, and, and, the, and the notion here, please, is she is, She's not demanding, she's not like disrespecting, but she's got something from God herself 
And she's able to articulate it in such a way that her ability to hear from God does not produce dishonor with people she's in relationship with. Okay, and I believe this is key. And I'm not just talking about husband and wife relationship here. Hearing from God should not cause us to sever from the healthy relationships we're currently in. Okay, why am I saying this? Because I've seen it happen that many times people have this, um, uh, you know, they, they, they say they hear from God and, and then they turn to their relationships they're in and, they, and, and, and the outflow of that is dishonoring, disrespectful, and they come off like super spiritual and it's like, okay, do your thing. But I, what I love about this woman here is she was independent, strong, mature, and able to come up with something and initiate something in her own household. Initiate this thing. And yet have that healthy honor and respect and in, 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 in welcoming and honoring and respecting her husband in the process of building a, a new room on the roof. All right. She wasn't like, look, this is what we're going to do because I said so. And, and you just need to listen to me. No, there was an honor in this, the language here speaks of honor and the fruit of what she heard. The real fruit speaks that she was able to navigate what she could hear from God and, 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 and walk through it with her husband. She said, let us make a small upper room. Let us put a bed for him there. So I want to encourage you God seekers out there. Those of you that know you can hear from God, you can perceive things by the spirit and you even have uh, an ability to perceive and to discern and you can hear from God and you can move on what God's telling you. I'm saying to you, this woman right here is an amazing example of the ability to walk through it with those around them, not become brash, super spiritual and just, and if I could say this, that's the only word coming to me, it's just kind of being really weird with how you hear from God and then and then you just kind of cut through it. There's no conversation. There's no, I mean, um, you know, she was strong independent yet she was able to honor respect and even submit to her husband in the decision-making process somebody needs to say amen to this this is some good stuff here uh, this woman is a great example all right so so let's you know she was able to hear directly from God and say submitted to authority all right now now I know that, that those two words together submitted those three words submitted to authority I know those get a, a bad rap but but there is something to be said about a healthy uh, husband and wife relationship where the husband is loving the wife and the wife is honoring the husband. The husband is loving his wife as Christ loved the church and the, and the, and the wife is submitting to the husband as unto the Lord. That is healthy. That is healthy. That is, that is healthy, right? You see it play out right here. So, and, and this doesn't just have to do with husband and wife, but, um, I've seen it happen in, in, in people like not even in the husband-wife relationship where people hear from God and, and, and then they submit that to somebody. They say, man, this is what I'm hearing. What do you think? She said, please, please is, is asking language. Can we do this? And, and sometimes people say, man, well, God spoke to me. And it's like, okay, all right. Um, well, then I can't tell you anything. They're, they're, you know, and we can't. And I think sometimes people over-spiritualize 
to compensate for an issue that's going on inside of them. They're, they're, they're guarding something. They, they can't be talked to, can't be, can't, they, they can't be any dialogue there. And, and man, if you look at even, um, man, I don't have time to go into all this, but, but even in the book of Acts, when God was moving through the apostle Paul, Gentiles were getting saved. They still went back to Jerusalem and, and communicated with them. They weren't like, well, forget Jerusalem, forget those leaders. Jerusalem was the first church. And that was where Paul was sent from. And God was doing things through Paul and his team that, that the Jerusalem church was not experiencing, howbeit ministering to Gentiles. And the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were like hung up on some, some Jewish tradition. But Paul, if you look at the narrative, Paul still came back and talked. It says, man, this wasn't us, man, God's moving. And then the Jerusalem church was like, okay, cool. Our bad. Okay, so let's move forward. So, so the point is this, hearing from God doesn't give us a license to just cut off, negate any kind of human relationship. When somebody says they hear from God and they just cut off relationships with people and those in authority or even just their peers, that is a red flag, my friend. That is a red flag. That, that, that there's this over-spiritualization uh, and they're compensating for an issue they're trying to guard, they're trying to hide. Somebody needs to say, man, anybody want to grow up in 2022? Come on now, if you truly heard from God, you're not going to be intimidated or scared of what others would may say or speak to because we don't always hear clearly. We, 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 we need others to speak in their life. That's why the New Testament says, when one prophesies in a gathering, right? The Bible says, let the others judge. Not judge or for the sake of condemning. It's just, no, let the others weigh out what was said and maybe even potentially give some feedback to what was said. Come on now, none of us should ever, we're never so spiritual that people cannot speak into our life and that we can't hear from God and, and actually submit it to somebody and say, hey, what do you think? This is what I, and if you're confident in hearing from God, you ain't gonna have no problem submitting it to somebody else. I'm preaching good in 2022, hallelujah. So here we go. Don't manipulate the notion of hearing from God as a, ray, as a way to rebel against authority. Woo! That's spiritual pride, and God will deal with you concerning that. Somebody needs to say amen. I'm going to read it again. Let's not manipulate the notion of hearing from God as a way to rebel against uh, spiritual authority or any authority for that matter. All right? All right. Now, that, that when we do that, that's, that's pride, and God will deal with us in that regard. Somebody needs to say amen. All right, here's my next point. Here's my next point. When we make room, we find rest, okay? Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because she put a bed there, okay? So th th this is more uh, like uh, some symbolism or just I'm gonna look at, you, you know, kind of, we're gonna look at what she put in there and how, what it kind of represents in the scripture, what these things can, um, can kind of symbolize, okay? But she put a bed there, all right? And, and, I, and I believe when we make room for God, when we make room, we find rest. And she saw this man doing his thing, going back and forth. And the first thing it says that she put in there, she put, and, and uh, it's presumed that, you know, in, the, in her home the, that 
she put a, a room on the roof. It's kind of like a little add-on, right? She put it on the roof. That's the, and, and typically these things had exterior stairs, so he could kind of come and go as he pleased, and he wouldn't interrupt the rhythm and flow of their personal life. Um, so the, the assumption is that she's like, yo, this is your spot if you want to ever come up and, and rest on your journey, man of God. Okay, so rest. Um, here's, a, here's another question, folks. What do I need to stop doing? Because uh, sometimes it's not about what you need to start doing. Sometimes it's, it's, about, it's about what you need to stop doing. Maybe, maybe you're filling your schedule, your time, space, your mind, your thoughts, your leisure time even. Sometimes our leisure time can be better. We can make leisure better. All right, but what, for, and I'm talking about rest now. But what do I need to stop doing? Okay, do, do I don't know. It could be you know, um, or, or setting boundaries around things that that kill and destroy or eat up your time and your space. All right, social media. It happens to all of us, right? And do do you have? Do you have maybe some of you have already started this, but do you have certain parameters? Like I'm not going to go on social media until this time of day, or or, uh, or I'm going to turn it off and put my phone away at this time. Like creating disciplines. So it's like, what do I need to stop doing? And then filling that space with maybe reading, you know, or, or something maybe more active, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so, so once again, it's impossible to successfully follow Jesus when the rhythm of our life is no different than before we got saved. So it's about evaluating, hey, what, what do I need? What do I need to stop doing? All right. For the purpose of rest. Rest is important. All right, so here we go. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 9 to 11. I'm going to read these, for, these three verses quickly. Uh, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And it's speaking of our relationship with Christ, okay? In the grand scheme of things, in Hebrews 4, it's speaking of rest. It's speaking of Christ. It's speaking of Jesus, that this relationship we have with God in Christ is literally rest for our soul. The relationship itself, the big picture of walking with God is rest, all right? So this is what it says, there, are, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And it's really in context talking about ceasing from religious works, you know, religious duty and entering the rest that's in Christ, that we're saved by grace through faith. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fail according to the same example of disobedience. All right, so I love this. It's talking about us by saying we gotta be diligent to enter it, okay? So there is something we must do. There is an application here to enter that rest. What, what is one way is what do I need to stop doing, all right? Um, I love this quote here. Rest is not inactivity. It's restorative activity. It's what fuels us, feeds us, restores us, okay? It's not that it's absolute inactivity. It is activity that refuels, restores, refills us. It is rest. Hallelujah. 
All right, so here is my next point, all right? Make room for Bible study. Why? He put a chair and a table in there, okay? To study, to sit, and to study. So this year, like never before, I challenge you, make time for Bible study, like never before, daily, all right? Daily, open that word, crack it open, listen to it, whatever you gotta do, listen to preaching, Make sure you subscribe and follow the Hopeland Church podcast. Somebody say amen, which is not really a podcast. It's actually just preaching and ser- our sermons, okay? But, but here we go. Acts 17, verse 10 to 11. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they had arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word. Somebody say received the word with all readiness and search the scriptures. Somebody say, search the scriptures. It says they search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. All right, they received the word and searched the scriptures daily. They didn't just hear the word, but they searched. You gotta hear and search. You gotta receive and search. All right, so make room for Bible study. I mean, this is rest now. Uh, You know, she made room. And when this man of God went in there, he had a bed. That's rest. That represents rest. Restorative activity. All right. What do you need to stop doing so you can rest? The next one, make room for Bible study. Here it is, though. We don't study. Now, I'm just going to read this. We don't study for knowledge. We don't study... um, to become a theological intellect, you know, or to form our own theology, okay? Now, those things aren't bad necessarily, but that is not why. The why, the core, the foundation of Bible study is so that I can know him and be changed by him, all right? I'm gonna say that again. The foundation of Bible study isn't for... um, theological aptitude, nor is it for, um, you know, just head knowledge or mental assent. Those things are part of it, you know, and they're, they're not bad, but there's, there's a bigger why. There's a much more grand why as to why we study the scripture. And it is that I might know him and be changed by him. All right, here's another another thought here. Um, to make your Bible study more engaging is pray when you read and read when you pray. All right, I mean, this, this goes back to just, you know, the Jewish culture, you know, we're going way back now. Hebrew culture is, they literally sing the scripture. That's what they do. That's, that is their way of reading. It's, it is sung, They're, this is active, right? This is active, engaged uh, learning of the word and sing and pray, right, while you read, okay? I'm not saying you always have to do it that way. I'm not saying you can't just sit there and read it, but I'm saying that that, that speaks to, I don't want to just be informed by the scripture. I want to be transformed by the scripture. Somebody say amen, all right? So make room for Bible study. Okay, and here's my next point. Because what was the next thing that um, 
that she put in there. It says this, all right? And let us put a bed for him there. Somebody say rest. And a table and a chair. Somebody say Bible study. And a lampstand. A lampstand. Man, there's so much in the word of God concerning lampstands and light, right? And so this is my next point to kind of go along with that. I'm gonna share some verses here. But revelation changes everything. Revelation changes everything. Um, Ephesians chapter one, verse 17 to 21. It's a prayer Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And he said, um, I'm praying that God would, uh, uh, to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the father of glory would give unto you the spirit of revelation. Okay, spirit of revelation. Okay, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And so that's why praying and reading and doing those things together are so important um, because there are many that can know what the scriptures say, understand historical context, be learned in the pragmatic, practical scripture. But if you want your life changed, if you want to walk with God and hear from God by the Spirit of God while you read, revelation changes everything. Speaks, as I said in Ephesians, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. So this is a characteristic of the Spirit of God. The word revelation means to take the covers off. So God desires to reveal the Scripture to you, to speak to you prophetically a now word that there that that you've read that verse a million times but this time you've read it or he spoke it to you and it just it just kind of blew up in your spirit you're just like wow i never saw that before it's revelation the the covers have been removed all right so here we go i'm gonna read a couple of verses about the importance of this but proverbs 6:23 for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light, speaking of the word, reproofs of instruction or the way of life. For the commandment is a lamp, Proverbs 6, 23, and the law, a light, revelation, revealed knowledge, the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. God shining his light on what we read. All right, here's another one. Here's another one. Psalm 119, verse 30. Psalm 119, verse 30. The entrance of your word gives light. Okay. Wow. So a lampstand. Think about this. Jesus, the Bible even says Jesus is the light of the world. All right. Okay. And so uh, the entrance of your word. So that's not speaking of just reading words on a page. That speaks of revelation. That speaks of the living word entering your soul, the word of God entering you and, and bringing light to things in your life. You know, the, the, his word, you know, it's a, I didn't uh, put this verse down here because it said a lot. I wanted to find some other ones, but you know, the Bible says it's a very familiar verse. The, the word, you know, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. All right. So once again, Psalm 119 verse 30, the entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. So here is my last point. Make room for prayer. Make room for prayer. Make room for prayer. 
All right. Daniel chapter 9, verse 17. Daniel 9, 17. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications and the Lord's and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine. Okay, so prayer being transformed through prayer that God's face would shine. It says that God's face would shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. So he's like, you know, uh, praying and, and saying, God, sh you know, let your face shine. You know, the light of your word, you know, let the light of your countenance shine on us. We are the sanctuary of God. So through prayer, make time for prayer so that his face will shine on you, his sanctuary. All right. Here's a good question. Here's a good question. I want you to think about this. Do you study more or pray more? Why is that? And I don't know. I'm not saying they're both good. That's the point. But maybe you have a propensity to just be like a study type person, right? Or maybe you you pray a lot, but but you need to understand the, the scriptures a little more, right? So so it's like uh, many times people that study more, they focus more on study as opposed to engaging with God in worship and prayer and, and, and doing those kind of things. Many times the study folks, um, they, they, they know what God said because they they, they've read it. They, they know the Bible, the scriptures. They have an understanding. And then those that are more prayerful, maybe they don't study as much. Many times they can kind of tell you what God is saying. Right. I, I hope this makes sense to you because they're just a little bit more they're, 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 you know, but but then they can't tell you what God said. Right. They, they're, they're like, you know, and so sometimes if, if, if you pray a lot, and you're more of a worship person and just more maybe expressive and you just want to kind of commune with God that way. And if you don't have a knowledge of the scripture, you can drift into stuff and start saying stuff that's just unscriptural. It sounds spiritual, but you're like, ah, oh, you're getting a little off there. And then those that, I mean, you just you just read and you study, and you, 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 that's not that's not coupled with prayer and worship, and those kind of things. Uh, many times you can have a strong knowledge of what he said, but 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 you lack that ability to kind of hear what God is saying in the season by the Spirit. So the point is this: is we need prayer and Bible study, okay? Revelation is hearing by the Spirit what God is saying now. All right, my last verse, folks. Last verse. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word. Hallelujah, prophetic word. Not just the written word, not just the the logos in the Greek is really what represents the written word. And then there's this other type of word, this other Greek word. When it, we, have, we only use the word word, but in the scriptures, there's also a rhema word, which is more of a spoken word, you know, living word, revelatory word, revelation of the word. All right. So and so we have we have the prophetic word confirmed, which do well to heed as a light, here's the lampstand, speaking of the prophetic word, we have as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, 
I, that's why I, that's why I said, man, uh, you know, um, revelation changes everything and make time for prayer. Make room, make room, make room for prayer. Why? And, and Bible study. Why? Revelation changes everything to hear directly from God, to, to hear in this season, hear in this season, hear this month, hear from God concerning your marriage, concerning your future, concerning your job, you know, spouses out there. You know, uh, it ought to be a normal thing for you to share what God is saying, where God is leading you, what God is doing, right? And I understand some people like God saying this, God saying this, God saying this, God saying this. And you're like, whoa, you know, it's like God changes his mind like every every other day. No, but uh, I'm not saying the, the extreme of that where it's just it's not really what God's saying. Um, but we should uh, be able to dialogue and talk about how what we perceive, what God is showing us in the word. And, and, and how it's fitting right here into our here and now, okay? Hallelujah. We, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed. When you hear from God, heed it, right? This woman perceived, she knew, she heard, and she heeded. She moved on what God said. She made room. She made room to what she was perceiving. She was knowing something. She submitted it to her husband. Right. But she heard and she heeded and says it's as a light that shines in a dark place. That is what revelation does. It takes the covers off. It's light. So we need the light of the word when circumstances are dark. We need revelation. Our marriages need it. Our children need it. We need it. We need to hear from God in the here and now. OK, we need divine illumination from the word, by the spirit of God. If you dream and you have visions, write them down. Write them down. If God speaks to you that way, that's revelation. God speaks to you, leads you by just by the spirit of God. You read the word, he just opens something up to you. Write that stuff down, all right? Here it is, I'm gonna give you the definition of this word prophetic out of 2 Peter 1, 19. We're gonna close in prayer. But this is what it means, it means bring to light. This is what it means. He got the lampstand up in the room. Got the bed for rest. Got the, the table and the chair for study. And got that light to illuminate his life. Got that light of the word. But the word prophetic means bring to light by asserting God's will and word over everything else. This is what this is what prophetic words do. This is what the the this is what revelation does. This is what the voice of God does when he speaks to us. All right, that it asserts God's will and God's word over everything else. That that is what it does. That by definition, that's what prophetic means. It means to bring to light what is there and to assert God's will and God's word over everything else in that environment. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I need a prophetic word. Bible says without vision, people perish. That word vision in the Old Testament literally means prophetic revelation. People without prophetic revelation perish. Hallelujah. We need prophetic revelation. We need to hear from God. You, by the word of God, the written word of God, and the Holy Spirit within you, you have the grace, you are enabled to hear from God in the here and now, in the season you are in. All right, this is what it means to speak. This is what prophetic means, 
to speak comparatively. When, when God speaks to you, he starts to assert his will and his word over everything else. He, he could, it's like it, you start to see what you've been doing, how you've been living as secondary to what he is saying. You start to see this, this better way, holy way, righteous way over every other way. It, this is what it means. Making effective contrasts by divine illumination. Hallelujah. That's what happens when God speaks to us. So here we go. I'm going to close in prayer here. But here we go. All right. I'm going to go through these points again. All right. Create time and space for God. Join us in our fast this month. We're starting on the 9th. Make time and space for God. Initiate it. Okay. When we make room, we find rest. She had a bed put in there. When we make room for God, we find rest. The next one, simple, practical, make room for Bible study this year like never before. Make room for Bible study. All right, here's the next point. I got two more. Revelation changes everything. Okay, we talked about that. The lamp stand, the lamp in there. Divine illumination, the light of his word. The prophetic word shines like a light in a dark place. Revelation changes everything. And last but not least, make room for prayer this year. Make room for prayer to seek God, to invite him and welcome him into your world. In your everyday life, make room for prayer. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, Lord, as we approach this year, as we step into this year, I pray, God, that we would do this, that we would be as this woman, this great woman, that we would be as she was, that she was able to perceive and know something that you were doing and she made room for you. So God, I pray that we would make room for you like never before. In every aspect of our life, God, we invite you and we make room for you, God, this year. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.